2222. Hello? Does that work? Does this work? Yeah, I think it works. Does it sound like it's working? Well, we would know what it sounded like if either of us were wearing headphones. Ooh, should probably work on that. Yeah. Um, I'm Camfield. He's Jeremy. Uh, this is a new podcast called Did You America Today? I tried to think of the most uh, appropriate American-centric title for me, being the most American person anyone's ever met. I'm from America, and you are way more American than me. In my heart. I'm, I'm very from, American. Yeah, you are. Born and bred in Texas. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, backstory to this uh, is that um, Jeremy and I were uh, working on uh, doing a podcast uh, back when I had a job. And uh, we were going to start uh, releasing episodes, but then I got fired. So we decided that because I've got nothing better to do, we might as well just do uh, the podcast from my uh, dining room table. So we're currently sitting in my kitchen, uh, which is why we're not actually sure if this is working properly. I can't figure out what kind of a screwed up laptop have I got where if I plug headphones into it, it cancels out the microphone. How is that even possible? Uh, we got a janky setup. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. We're definitely dealing with no job Camfield status right now. I'm so bad with technology that I gave uh, Jeremy my address to come over to the uh, to the apartment today, and I said, uh, "Just uh, buzz me at this apartment number, and I'll let you in." And then, um, rather than the app on my phone telling me that Jeremy was outside, I got a phone call, <laughs> and I answered it, and he goes, "It's me." And I said, well, why are you on the phone? You're supposed to be buzzing the apartment. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm at the buzzer outside. I just put your apartment number in. And I said, but you're on the phone. And Jeremy goes, are you telling me you haven't got the hang of operating the entrance app that you've got in your apartment building? I guess not. I was like, stay where you are. I'm coming down. <laughs> I was thinking about just kind of like smashing the windows. I said, like, you know, it, they might have cameras on the door and they just saw me and they're like, yeah, we're not letting this guy in here. <laughs> I don't know. I live in Deep Ellum. You could, you could, you could be seen as being one of the homeless around the back. Right. I definitely fit in with the homeless community of Dallas. That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, here we are in, uh, in an apartment. Uh, so if it sounds a little bit echoey and, uh, you know, not the best, uh, sound quality, uh, that's why, but I did think that this could kind of be like our version of making an 80s album because when i was playing around with the uh the uh the computer earlier on sounds a bit echoey and a bit tinny and i thought well this is like all of those albums from the 80s when they discovered reverb and new technology and no one really knew how to make it you know you've got like certain bands that made albums through various decades and then right. if you listen to their 80s output it sounds like it was recorded in someone's bathtub because they didn't really know what they were doing that's 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 what this is going to be we're essentially podcast hall notes yes i think that's the best way to describe us. kind of we're like um it's like uh, my friend and i have got a big thing with uh we, we love acdc and, and even acdc have made some of the best rock music of all time if you listen back to their albums in the 80s there's a couple of albums where i go like i, I don't know chris i can't I'm, I'm not into those and he goes no 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 no, no. if you listen the songs are really great. It's just the production that throws you off. And I go like, huh. I said, but on Fly on the Wall, I can't even hear Brian Johnson's vocals, the production. He's like, no, don't worry about that. This is the point. The songs are great. It's just the way that they were recorded. So if anyone listens to this and goes, 
Jesus Christ, they're not funny at all. No, the jokes are in here. It's just the sound quality. What's great is like when we were, before when we were getting this podcast set up and we were doing our demos, you know, it was in an actual studio and they sounded professional and good. And now we're finally starting the podcast and, you know, we sound like, it's basically going from like, 70s soft rock Billy Joel to like 80s doo-wop show. We're currently in our doo-wop phase. Yeah. Everyone that loves um, uh, Piano Man and scenes from an Italian restaurant and like the pinnacle of his great singer-songwriter painting a picture via lyrics of America at the time and everyone went, wow, Billy Joel's amazing. Suddenly, we've skipped all of that and we've gone to Uptown Girl! <laughs> She has been living in Uptown World. <laughs> so anyway, um, now you've um, now you've paid a visit to uh, to my apartment. My first concern isn't that. I, well, I mean, I am concerned that I need a new job because if I don't have a job, you know, I might have to leave America. I mean, I have to have a visa to stay in the greatest country on earth. Eh. Hey, uh, this is, you don't really, but go on. Well, I like to do things, you know. By the rules? Definitely for the purposes of this recording, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, we want him to have a visa. We are not planning to hide him in my attic, a la Anne Frank, for the next two years. <laughs> Government, we know you're listening. I think uh, when, when, it, when it all went wrong, job-wise, and uh, I text Jeremy and he goes, oh, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I said, well, listen, like, I need to get a job. But, you know, the, the visa aspect of it, I'm good for a while, but we got to figure it out. And uh, Jeremy's reply, and um, pretty much word for word was, I'm Jewish. I'll Anne Frank you. <laughs> I have all the experience. I've read the book many a time. <laughs> I know how it works. I know how to not get caught. <laughs> but this is my problem to start with, right? Not only do I need a job. Um, in the greatest country on earth. I think I might need a job in Texas because in the nearly a year that I've been here, I've become so Texan. I mean, I'm drinking coffee for, what does that mark say on it? Big Tex, baby. Right, and last week when we attempted to do a recording that really was our version of ACDC's Fly on the Wall because you couldn't hear anything Jeremy was saying, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was doing the uh, podcast drinking from a massive mug that just said Dallas on it and has an outline of the Dallas skyline. You also were wearing a shirt that said, it's better here in the outline of Texas. And that was just stunning. Right, I mean, and that is in my wardrobe next to the t-shirt that says, damn, it feels good to be a Texan, which is next <laughs> to the t-shirt that says, there's nothing more American than Texas. I'm not making any of this wow. up. I mean, in fact, maybe we should do the podcast one week from my closet because then you could check out the shirts and it might sound better. Fashion show. <laughs> so I got this... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, and so when I go out now, um, I'm wearing all of these clothes pretty much all of the time because I'm thinking, I don't know if I can wear this stuff out of state. I mean, if I had to, I mean, say for example, say someone in California says, hey, come and have a job here and I go take that job, right? Mm. What are they going to think in California if on the first day for work, I turn up with the t-shirt that says, American until Texas secedes. They're going to be like, how did they find a British redneck? <laughs> how did this happen? You know, I, I've lived outside of Texas. I went to school in Arizona. And I mean, it's, I don't have, I'm Jewish. My parents are from New York. So like, I don't have a overly Texas accent. Sometimes I say y'all more. I do Texan things, but still 
everyone in other states immediately know I'm Texan. I think it just it bleeds out of you when you're from the state, whether it's the state pride or the fact that anyone who lives in Texas has to have at least four shirts saying how Texas is the best state on. Right. And I think I've got more like 44 shirts plus, plus maybe 54 mugs. And don't even I can't even count as many fridge magnets as I've got. If you if you do have to move, you get a job somewhere else. I think we need to open up like you'll have your own kiosk at the airport, just selling all this stuff to people coming in. You know, when we used to do uh, pilot dry runs for this podcast every week, we would have a million dollar idea. That might be a hundred dollar idea. I was just saying, we're at least getting a thousand out of it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Too bad you spent 10000 on all the merch, but that's besides the point. Well, you know, when I came to Texas uh, to interview for this job, um, I, I was always really taken with the whole don't mess with Texas thing and, uh, and the amount of state pride there is in the merchandise that goes along with it. And uh, the guy that interviewed me for the job, um, I said to him, because they flew me in literally for the day, and I said, uh, oh, I'm going to uh, go to the airport and, and buy some Texas stuff. Because, I mean, I actually had some don't mess with Texas uh, koozies before I even Already? lived here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. yeah. I had friends that, um, they. I used to live in Phoenix, and they uh, were doing like a little mini tour of the States. They were in Dallas before they came to visit me in, in, uh, in Phoenix. They were from England. And I said to them, you can stay in my spare room. But only if you bring me something that says "Don't mess with Texas" on it. And so, and <laughs> That's I, a fair deal. And I'm not even saying this to you know make Texas people like me, especially. But I'm telling you, I like I was down with the Texas attitude before I even lived in Texas. I liked it as an idea, right? Mission accomplished. I like you now, and I hated <laughs> you before that sentence. I was uh, I was messaging back and forth on Instagram with uh, one of my very liberal friends in uh, New York. Who, and most of my friends are incredibly liberal. I'm not so liberal, but I don't have a problem hanging out with the liberals. Sometimes they have a problem with me. And here's a, here's a, here's a prime example. I was uh, I was texting him about something. I can't remember what it was. And he sent back a reply and he goes, oh, you've become so middle America. And I said, I think you're fine. I'm just very Texan. And yeah, he, says, he says, that's even worse unless it's Austin. To which I replied, Austin can keep its keep Austin weird. I am don't mess with Texas through and through. He didn't reply to that. I think I might have lost a friend. <laughs> he, was, he was like, hey, man, Austin is clearly the best city. And you know what? Everyone that always says that has never even actually been to Austin. They're just like the music scene. In the end, like it's basically a college town with a bunch of college drunks and homeless people everywhere i um i had a good time when i went to austin uh, a couple of times for uh, for south by southwest uh, but, but and even when uh, austin was the only part of texas i'd been to um i'd already figured out that i prefer the bumper sticker that says don't mess with texas yeah it's just better change austin from being so weird you hippies <laughs> so uh, that's kind of like got you caught up, um, you know, basically just like every other asshole. I'm now trying to do a podcast. It's, it's, it's come to that. And, um, and we're doing this one from my, um, kitchen table before I become homeless. Right. Um, well, what's really sad is, you know, you currently don't have a job. So, you know, you have a lot of free time. This is why we're doing this. 
I still have a job and I still have nothing to do in so much free time that I'm doing this. So don't worry, it's not much better. Well, if we can keep on coming up with good ideas, like I'm going to have a booth at the airport. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, it would be, you know, like if you go to the, the shopping malls here, they have Texas treasures, of course. right? Um, what can we call it? We call it Camfield. We'll call it Texas Treasures. <laughs> they can't have a copyright on that. It's not that big of a store. Camfield's Texas Treasures. Right. Yeah, we'll right? Camfield's Texas Treasures will start selling my um, used t-shirts for like, you know what? I've seen it's a big thing at the moment to get retro shirts from bands. So like yeah. uh, tours from the 1980s that... Um, you know, people would pay like probably like five bucks for a t-shirt. Right. They're now being reprinted on t-shirts and they're selling them around Bishop Arts for literally a hundred dollars a time. You know what? Here's something that's really sad. Those shirts aren't being reprinted. They're being bought at Target for five dollars and then resold. Because if you ever go check out the Target clothing section, it's all just like ACDC, Rolling Stones. Is it really? Yeah. All they have is old rock band t-shirts. You love it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Field trip to Target. That's another location we can do this podcast. We'll bring the mics. <laughs> It'd be so odd if we just like post up in the Target clothing aisle with microphones. Oh, we're doing a podcast. Leave us alone. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm thinking we start reselling my t-shirts that have got Texas on them for like probably about 150 bucks a time. Yeah, easy. And then, and then we'll keep like a little bucket out the front for Camfield's Visa Fund with a little <laughs> sign saying, please keep him here and see what donations we can get, right? Yeah, and it'll make people, it'll make the locals feel better because if they're in the, going through the airport, right, they're already pissed off because they're having to leave texas which none of them want to do for whatever reason right <laughs> so we're giving them a little bit of texas to take with them right yeah how about this you know we, we know you're leaving this great state but here have a souvenir for 250 dollars. right yeah, yeah yeah and maybe the only t-shirt that i'll keep is the one that says and again i do have this t-shirt i wasn't born in texas but i got here as fast as i could <laughs> it's like here's an extra this one costs 50 dollars extra but i did sneeze in it so <laughs> there's that i did not watch it. we can sell camfield covid as well <laughs> put that on the list that's of, going at the top of the list put that on the list of things to do now i've um because i've had a bunch of free time another thing that i've noticed a lot while i've been kind of wandering around uh, the dfw area here in the great state of texas is um, the amount of political front lawns that have uh, yeah they're everywhere appeared. What are your feelings on that? Because I I, I kind of like the idea that uh, people are passionate for one thing or another, be it a sports team or a political side or a band or whatever. But I don't necessarily think that putting up say a Biden board and deliberately making it bigger than your op opposite neighbor's Trump board is a, adding to any kind of neighborhood harmony, or B, convincing anyone to change their mind. I think that's exactly it. You're not convincing anyone to change their mind. Also, like, there's already so many things for neighbors to fight about. This is just getting added to the list of basically reasons for you to hate your neighbor, mm. where, you know, I think in the past, you know, you might see one sign. Usually it would be for, like, local government people that no one really knows anyway. So it's like, ah, who knows what they're voting for? But now... You know, you, you got to you gotta put whoever you're voting for out there for everyone to know, apparently. I, um, when I was growing up in the UK, the, the equivalent of um, conservative, uh, sorry, the equivalent of um, Republican and Democrat is conservative and Labour, right? Right. 
And if there was an, an election cycle, and maybe this is just a very kind of like understated British way of doing it, um, people in the UK, they might put a sticker in the window that said Conservative or Labour. And if that sticker could make a sound, it would be so understated and small, it would be going Conservative, <laughs> right? Like, it's hardly emblazoned. You would have to be a pervert looking in someone's window to hope that you're going to see someone having sex to even notice the, the political sticker in the window. Or maybe the mailman literally walking up to someone's front door, right? Whereas I go through the historic districts of Dallas a few days ago where the big, big houses are, right? right? There is one house there that looks like it's the size of the actual White House <laughs> And it has more Trump stuff out the front than probably the actual White House does right now. I mean, it's got a balcony up above and it's got a massive Trump sign. And then there's like Trump balls in the in the garden. Oh, and, then, and, and I'm like, wow. And then across the road, there's Biden. And then there's a little Trump up there. And then there's a slightly smaller Biden down there. And I'm thinking like, Maybe these uh, people are so rich and their houses are so big and the neighborhood is so expansive, like they never hang out with one another. Or Because, we, again, when I was growing up in the UK, the neighborhood disputes used to be if someone parked outside someone's house and they had no right to be there, right? Like my dad used to get really pissed off because we didn't have a drive, but the neighbors opposite did. And sometimes those neighbors with a drive, rather than parking their car on that drive, would park their car outside our house. And when they did that, my dad used to go out there in the middle of the night and let the air out of their tires, right? <laughs> that is a typical power move. British power move neighborhood dispute. Yeah. Do you think in the historic districts of Dallas, the people with the smaller Biden signs across the road are waiting till the dead of night and they're like throwing up some rope to climb up to the balcony <laughs> of the big house to try and remove the Trump sign again. Yeah, that will teach them. The ultimate move would be to toilet paper their house, but with the toilet paper that has Trump's face printed on it, that would, because then they can't really get mad because it's adding to the decoration. It's just, you know, now their trees are covered in doo-doo paper. I wonder if um, Halloween will have any part to play in this. Is Trick or Treat going to become like Trick or Trump? <laughs> you get... They you, don't like Trick or Treat. They just want to know who you're voting for. Right. And based on that, they'll either do something horrible to your front lawn or they won't. Here, eight-year-old, who do you support? Biden, no candy for you. <laughs> <laughs> you get an Almond Joy. You don't get a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. But again, I don't see that it achieves anything other than pissing off your neighbors P no. putting the putting the signs out out the front right if, if people do it for sports teams it's it, it's one thing but the the political boards no matter what side you're on uh, unless it is a neighborhood competition thing where someone would try and make their front yard look better than the neighbors they're trying to make their political boards bigger than the neighbors i mean is there there might be some sort of interior design show in this right oh, yeah. where like like that you get on the tv where you get a bunch of like camp guys come around who probably hate trump but it's that but they but they have to be like non-partisan so they go and they'll be like my god okay we need to make that trump sign bigger and you know how you've got the trump sign just below the balcony on the house 
Have you considered maybe a cardboard cutout of the Donald <laughs> to go up? I think that would just complete the design fantastically. And then they go across the street, right? And they go onto the door of the bike. Honey, if you want to compete, that Biden sign needs to be bigger. <laughs> They're just like hitting the neighborhood against each other, doing both houses. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. The battle for balls, yeah. right? And it's just a bunch of really camp designers running between the big houses in historic Dallas, <laughs> trying to make the signs bigger and better. Honey, bigger is better. Oh you know, I just love that, like, with all the Trump stuff, it's so, uh, like, all the merch is so in your face, and, like, you can see it from everywhere, and, like, you can't just have one little sign. It has to be your entire house covered showing your MAGA-ness. Well, the thing is, even if you hate Trump, you have to agree that he does provide the best merchandise. Right. Right? I mean, it's just, I was in, um, I went to a... Um, a uh, market uh, in um, Flower Mound over the weekend, and um, there were there was basically a stall there that sold essentially a lot of socks, right? <laughs> a sock store, kind of, yeah. And um, like socks. There was, um, you know, keep on trumping, support the Donald, oh, keep them right. Probably about ten different lines of pro Trump socks, yeah. right? And then next to them. A few things that said Democrat. <laughs> not even not, not Biden. Biden. Biden Biden's name was not on <laughs> any piece of underwear anywhere in that market. And, yeah. I, and I don't think it's necessarily because the people running that market were uh, anti-Democrat. I just think it's like it, the, 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 the Trump merch is just better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even even if you're not a Trump supporter, you have to understand like if it was just based off of like how much money we're making off of sold goods. Trump already won the next seven elections. It's like the difference between um, back in 2016, Trump had red cups, right? Yeah. The red solo cups. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Hillary had chillery drinks coolers. There's the difference, right? Yes. Do you want a red cup with Trump on it to pour your drink in, or do you want a little koozie to go over your bottle? It's just, it doesn't compete. That's like now uh, the Biden team is trying to push like cool Joe Biden and his aviator sunglasses, but like no one actually cares about like the one photo op Joe Biden did wearing aviators. Now, if Trump ever put on, even if it was like a pair of Harry Potter eyeglasses, half the country is now wearing Harry Potter eyeglasses the rest of their life. Right, 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 that's, right, right, right. Uh, that's a that's a lot of influence. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's it's got it's getting to be like that. The uh, um, the effect of the, the the Trump merchandise is almost like wearing a Ramones t shirt now. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> you know, I was always more of a Marky Ramone guy, anyways. <laughs> so the other thing that. Um, I've been doing, um, apart from uh, coming up with the idea of a great new interior design show for uh, political uh, political front lawns, right? Um, and uh, just kind of you know trying to figure out how I'm going to find a home for my um, Texas merchandise. Is uh, I've been helping my nieces with their homework uh, because I've got more time to FaceTime now. Yeah, and uh, I've dis well I've discovered a couple of things. First of all. I'm really bad with math and spellings <laughs> that are expected of a nine-year-old. Oh, no. <laughs> I was on the... Were you, were you ever good at these subjects? 
I think I was better. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. I'm I'm 42. A 42-year-old should be able to do the math that's expected of a nine-year-old without being on Zoom with the nine-year-old and secretly using a calculator. Like, she'll go, okay, Uncle Ian, it's like 400 and da-da-da-da minus, because it's like math problems. So-and-so's got, I don't know, five pounds and he wants to buy whatever. And... um. But it's more complicated than that, actually. They were, like, buying cars and stuff, so it goes into, like, the tens of thousands. They're teaching little kids how to buy cars? Apparently, I yeah. I'm 28, yeah. I don't even know how to buy a car. <laughs> so, um, so, and then and then she'll look at the, she'll look at the camera on Zoom and go, are you using a calculator? You're not announcing as a calculator. It's like, oh, my God, it's like I'm being busted. There's nothing sense. worse when the teacher gets shamed by the student. <laughs> <laughs> we say that. So I've had that issue. And then my seven-year-old niece... Um, I did spellings with her the other week, right? And my sister said, oh, here's something you can do. I'll send you the spellings Leah's got to do. I think she knows them. Just read them over Zoom. So I'm like, okay. So I get on Zoom. I said, okay, let's do the spellings. And there's 10. And I'm going through them one by one. And she's knocking it out of the park. Like everyone she can spell. And we get to the, the, the ninth word. And she starts uh, having a problem with it. And I said, no, try again. No, try again. And I said, okay, now I think I'm being a smart teacher by taking this approach. I said, Leah, the other words, you got them straight away. It's really good. For some reason, you're struggling with this one word. And there must be a reason for that. So let's try and break down the word because I think you've got some sort of mental block, right? And she goes, ah, at which point my sister picks up the phone and says, it's because you, Ian, are reading the wrong words. <laughs> I also, I love how your sister was just kind of standing by and was like, no, 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 he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. And found like she had enough. She's like, you're going to ruin my child's education. I do not want a stupid child, Ian. And then I felt a bit guilty because uh, uh, the next day, Leah had the test. And she got nine out of 10. And I think it might be because I was reading one of the words incorrectly. <laughs> you know, that was the one word she got wrong. But I was telling this story to a buddy of mine over the weekend. And um, I said, um, you know, I'm struggling with this. And he went, well, I don't know about the, uh, the spellings. He said, but uh, I've got uh, a nephew. I try and help with, uh, with math. And he said, you know what the problem is? These days they do new math and i said is that like new metal <laughs> and he goes no it really is the limp biscuit of math problems this is what i think is going to be my defense as to why i'm struggling with the math that's expected of a nine-year-old yeah i said to my buddy what do you mean and he goes well you know they've just got different ways of doing it these days and if you get caught up in that you start doubting your own uh like math that you're doing in your head because he'll say like my nephew's telling me no you need to do this first and they've got a certain right. there's, a, there's a whole new thing and i said um can we present new math as being <laughs> the new new metal because I'm thinking, like, if you go back to the 2000s, right, and everyone went, oh, yeah, man, coal chamber. I can't get enough coal chamber yeah. and Limp biscuit, and it's tremendous, right? And suddenly everything that came before it was irrelevant, and we didn't want to involve ourselves with any of that, yeah. right? Corn. Remember corn? 
there be a couple like Corn that I would say in 2020 they still sound decent, right? Yeah, for sure. So, a couple of these newfangled methods of doing math, they might be okay, right? Yeah. But I'm gonna go back on the uh, the FaceTime with my nine year old niece. I'm gonna go. All right, today we are gonna do these sums Black Sabbath style <laughs> because let me tell you that we'll get a few years into the future before you have to take your exams and the schools are gonna rethink this whole new math thing because the way that you do multiplication is suddenly gonna be the Limp biscuit version of math, right? And they're gonna go, nah, actually this sucks. But you know what's timeless? The way that they used to do it back in the day. It's the equivalent of listening to Nookie versus Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I, I'm pretty lucky. I don't have anyone in my life under the age of 21, which is, which is just pretty sweet because children are the worst. Right. But I, you know, I've, I have friends who have kids and like they'll post on social media like, oh my God, this math problem is so hard. And you are absolutely right. The way they expect kids to do simple addition and subtraction these days is nearly impossible. Yeah, don't give me the Papa Roach of math. No, it's so hard. Like, can we please just go to the nuts and bolts? Guitar, bass, drums, singer. Right, yeah. Dancing around, maybe in a flannel. You know, you're giving me like, deal all for the nookie, nookie, <laughs> nookie, nookie, right? And what I actually want is down, 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 I want that math. No one's listening to, they need to go further back. They need to go to like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. We need to teach the children well. We are not teaching the children well. We are teaching them very, very poorly. Math shouldn't be impossible. You know why math shouldn't be impossible? Because no one as an adult uses math that's not a mathematician or engineer, which nobody is. That's true. We I, don't have those in America. I've we bring those in from India. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've often thought that um, when it comes to the math that you learn at school, if you can add up and subtract uh, and work out percentages for your taxes, that's pretty much the only math that you need in modern day life, unless you're going to go into some sort of science or something where you need, if you're, if you're going to do some kind of job that involves physics, a lot of that is based in math, right? Yeah. But unless you're going to go into any kind of line of work that involves physics, if you can add up and subtract, uh, do basic multiplication and percentages, then you'll be fine. Now, my track record so far with my nine-year-old niece would suggest that I struggle with all of those things that I've, that I've, that I've, <laughs> yeah. just, that I've just mentioned. But it is, so I, I think my mate is onto something here with the theory that the kids these days are doing new math, right? And I mark my words, if anyone who's listening to this is a parent and you're also struggling, that math that your kid has brought home for homework, right? It will be proved that it is the edema. Remember them? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the worst of new math. It will be proved that it is the claw finger oh, of math. All I know is when in 2035, the world is just full of Fred Durstes. Don't be surprised. You did this to yourself, America. I, I had a friend who worked with the band Cold Chamber, right? Yeah. And he said to me, they were basically a bunch of meth heads who experimented with music. Right now, if what you, a perfect description of the genre. Right now, if you want the math that your kids are doing these days to be the number equivalent of that, then go ahead with your new math. Yeah, but otherwise, take it back to the Sabbath. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you remember Slipknot? 
Yes. Slipknot was actually kind of good, though. I'll give them credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's nothing... Slipknot are not in my example of new math. Yeah, no. New metal. I, this is just random tangent. You know, Slipknot's, like, latest drummer is Max Weinberg's kid, who is the drummer of the E Street Band. Like, how is Slipknot's drummer just, like, the Jewiest person on Earth? Weinberg? I, that's not even my last name. Yeah. Yeah, no, that just doesn't fit the mold. But hey, apparently he's a good drummer. So, but he's but he's just a number in Slipknot, right? What do you mean? They're all numbers, aren't they? They don't have names. I thought it was. I don't. I don't know enough about Slipknot. All I know is they wear scary masks. No, they they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're just like numbers. They're like numbers one to nine. And I think what they figured out was that they started off as a band. But if they kind of dismiss members like one by one, and then just <laughs> and then just take on new members and they put them on contracts, they they can just pay them a wage. It's easy enough. Yeah, 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 yeah you're yeah. seven. It's like yeah, you're number seven. You'll get a hundred dollars per show and fifty dollars <laughs> on day on day on days off. I put on this mask and shut up. I mean, I think uh, that's probably a very um, uh, quite uh, controversial view to have of Slipknot. But I would suggest that in 2020, it very much is a numbers game yeah. in terms of what they're getting paid. And also um, <laughs> the fact that they are all just uh, numbers. While we're uh, talking about uh, music stuff, we should pay tribute to Eddie Van Halen, actually. Um, he died uh, a few days ago. And um, I mean, it wasn't um, unexpected because he'd been sick for about 10 years. And I think that there were a lot of rumors that his health was uh, steadily declining. Um, but obviously sad when anyone who's uh, that influential passes away. Although I would have to say it was another thing, even in the sad circumstances, that made me go, God bless America. And quite frankly, screw the UK. The UK where people only know one Van Halen song. They know, they know Jump and that's it. Oh. On the day that Eddie Van Halen died, I was out running some errands. And although it was sad, almost every radio station I went to went into obit mode. They just played nonstop Van Halen back to back. I think some of them are still doing it like almost a week later or they're still doing like Eddie Van Halen yeah. at, the, at, the, at the top of the hour. And um, in the UK, their tributes basically were, oh, yeah, the guy that played guitar on Jump and did the guitar solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It Has Died. And I thought, you f that country, in America, a proper country, they can't play enough Van Halen. Right. In the UK, they go, oh yeah, the guy that played guitar on Jump that was essentially a keyboard song and played on that pedophile hit, he's died. <laughs> I don't even think we played Jump on like the station that I worked for that rattled off like 15 Van Halen songs in a row when he died when the news broke. We didn't even play Jump. Yeah. We didn't play Beat It. Yeah. What we did play, though, was that weird porn soundtrack he made back in the day. You know, he scored... That's that's his crowning achievement. He scored a porno. Do you think he's looking down from up above and going, well, it was sad that I had to die, but at last, people are listening to my work on the porno, rather than just <laughs> watching the screen. Right. Because I spent weeks and months trying to figure out the best music to go along with those scenes. And no one paid any attention. They were just watching the fucking, but now you're hearing it. So that's what Eruption was about. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually score a porno? I yeah, no I was reading, well, I was reading one of the countless obituaries that were online. That was one of the things they said is they're like, you know him from Jump, you know him from Beat It, but did you know him from this porno? <laughs> and it was hot. 
Was it? No, I didn't really watch it. <laughs> I just jerked off to the guitar solo. I was done very quickly. Well, that's the that's the way you pay tribute to Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> it's funny, it's like, thank God, someone finally is jerking off to my guitar work rather than what was on the screen. Nothing, nothing says goodbye, Eddie Van Halen, like jerking off and finishing within twelve seconds. <laughs> I um I, I got a text from a friend of mine in the UK who said, um, oh, I didn't know there was a Van Halen in the band. See, this is why I had to leave. What? No, seriously. <laughs> there's was, two. Well, well now there's three. He he didn't know that. He was he was I said, yeah, he goes, Oh, I just thought they were like it was a cool band name. I'm like, oh god. It is you, a cool band name. Because yeah. it was their name. You people, you didn't realize that? Oh, so bad. And then um, I got another text message from uh, one of my friends in the UK because we have a mutual friend who used to, um, how can I put this politely, um, play with Van Halen. Whoa. Not in, not in you, a musical could sense. Could you not put it politely? Because you put it dirty for me because I don't know what you're Okay, she used to fuck one of hey Van yo. Halen. Right? <laughs> so um, I get this text from my friend, and I, I won't name the, the friend who uh, you know knew, knew Van Halen intimately, said, oh... I just heard about uh, Eddie Van Halen. Is so and so okay? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I think she's doing all right. And so my buddy goes, I know they were um, really close. And I text back, she used to fuck David Lee Roth. <laughs> and he goes, oh, he wasn't the guitarist. Oh, I'm like, oh, no. you Brits, oh, you don't even know the guitarist from the lead singer. I mean. I mean, they don't know the difference between David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen in the UK. Can you imagine if I tried to have a conversation with a British person about David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar? Oh, no, they wouldn't be able to do it. Oh. They'd be like, wait, all of a sudden he got fat and grew red hair? What is this? <laughs> that being said, uh, I've made it very clear to you before. I am a Van Hagar fan, so long live the Red Rocker. I am... Um... Uh, I never had a problem with Van Hagar. I, I like, I, I love, I kind of like both versions. I prefer the David Lee Roth version, but only because I met David Lee Roth once when he came to the UK to do a solo tour. And this is probably like 15 years ago. And to this day, he is the most American person I've <laughs> ever met. And as America's biggest fan yes that is saying something like i was perpetually miserable in the uk because i just wanted to be in america i wanted to be <laughs> i wanted to be doing what i'm doing now but with a job right right, right. i mean I, when i said i was nowhere near these dreams as, 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 yeah, yeah as much as, <laughs> as, as as much as much as i'm enjoying what we're doing right now i never wanted to be unemployed trying to launch a podcast talking into microphones on my kitchen table to with someone who looks like he could be Walter Becker's son. <laughs> it was never... That's such a compliment, you have no idea. That was a, That's a very visual joke. If, yeah. when, if when we start posting these podcasts, we stick a picture of Jeremy and I, then you'll get the joke. I'm going to straighten my hair when, just so I can have that greasy look, that greasy Becker look. Remind me um, if we do ever uh, start posting pictures of the two of us to do the Walter Becker joke again, because then people will get it. I'm just like, anytime they're, we're going like, to put out like press photos or whatever, we're just going to put out photos of Fagan and Becker. <laughs> See if anyone catches on. <laughs> That's a great idea. 
<laughs> and you know, again, when Walter Becker from uh, Steely Dan died, uh, all, always very sad when these when these musical icons icons pass away. But I remember uh, I was working in Phoenix at the time, and we did a, a quick sort of uh, tribute to him. And um, they threw to me on the show for my comments, and I said, "Well, it is sad, but let's be honest. If we put up a picture of Walter Becker from 1975." He never looked particularly well, did he? No. <laughs> like, I think it's the fact that he made it to what, 2019, 2018? Yeah, about that. Uh, is quite shocking that he made it to 1980. Right, so. right, 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 right. It was like reeling in the years, brother, you got two. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, you you would have given him two years yeah. maximum back then, right? Totally. So, yeah, so I. Um, I uh, I had to leave the UK because um, they, 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 they don't know the difference between um, Van Halen and Van Hagar. But on one day, David Lee Roth did, did come in. And um, as I said, I was kind of like perpetually miserable there. But he was so overtly American. And it was just, I was only in his presence for about 30 minutes in total. That for days afterwards, people would come up to me because I just apparently still have this massive smile on my face. And they'd say, you know, you're never this happy. What happened to you? And someone else in the building would go, he met David Lee Roth this week. <laughs> like, why does Canfield keep giving off these high-pitched screams in between sentences? Yeah. <laughs> I've been Roth. Yeah, you're like, hey guys, let's go. Woo! Jump! Let's go. Let's play this next song. We did an interview and, you know, he was full on Diamond Dave. But my favorite thing was not the interview. It was what happened after the interview. Um, I, I, we finished and he had a security guard with him. And I took him down in the elevator to the reception to, 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 so he could go on with the rest of his day. And um, I don't know what he was telling me. I can't remember. But I, I started to tell him how much I loved America and I wanted to move to America and leave London and all this kind of stuff. And he started, you know, telling me some great Diamond Dave American <laughs> story. And um, we get to reception and he's in the middle of telling this massive long story, like gesticulating wildly. And the security guy taps him on the shoulder and he goes, Dave, I don't mean to interrupt, but we got to go. We're really late for the next interview. And Dave looks at his security guard and then looks at me and then beckoning between uh, Dave and myself, Diamond Dave goes, hey, next interview can wait. We're having Dave time. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, oh. That is so American. He was like, look, you're on my time today. Exactly, exactly. That, that was your crash course in Americana. And still to this day, Possibly, I think, the most American person. I'm still smiling, recounting that story. Yeah, you really are. I mean, this was meant to be a tribute to Eddie Van Halen. Dave Duty. But, <laughs> but, but much like David Lee Roth does whenever he's concerned, I kind of made it everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as I just said, is the most American thing you can do. Oh, someone else died? Let me tell you how it affected my life. And blame the year, and then forget about it in a week. <laughs> Damn you, 2020. I loved Eddie Van Halen. Who died last week? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Via a really kind of bad taste joke about you looking like Walter Becker. <laughs> well, like, you know, in the demos, we broke down my looks quite a bit, actually. And that's definitely a new one and definitely my most favorite. I didn't particularly love the Jeffrey Toll Ian Anderson combined with uh, Ron Jeremy look. 
That definitely wasn't the best description. Need of to me. pull back on the Ron Jeremy um, <laughs> uh, comparisons now because he's a man who's going through some very tough times, and I'd imagine they're about to get tougher. I'm thinking I'm just going to take over the mantle. If anyone wants to see the exact replica of Ron Jeremy doing porn again, my number is. <laughs> well, you have a theory that Ron Jeremy never actually did porn because no one we know has ever seen a Ron Jeremy porn. We only know Ron Jeremy is the man who's famous for apparently doing it, right? I, I mean, I don't want to sound creepy, but as a man who jerks off quite a bit, I have never even stumbled across a thumbnail of Ron Jeremy in the porn. And again, I am on. I might be Pornhub's greatest customer. When he got uh, busted, and then over the next few weeks and months, the list of allegations just grew and grew and grew my immediate reaction after about the third article of like okay he's been charged with six things all right it doesn't look good now it's 26 now it's 36 when it got to around and i think he's at something like 30 something charges at the moment i just thought to myself oh i used to have a really good story about being in the rainbow bar and grill in los angeles where i saw ron jeremy literally fall asleep in a pizza like his head in the pizza <laughs> asleep. And I just thought, is it going to be unacceptable to tell that story now and make fun of Ron Jeremy because he's about to be exposed as a terrible human being? Damn. I, I think it's even better that you get to expose him for being a pizza sleeper from now on. Is that a thing? I mean, it is for me. You haven't lived till you slept on a grease pillow, brother. I feel like that's the guy I do the podcast with. You know the one I told you looked like Walter Becker from Steely Dan? Right now he's doing his best Ron Jeremy. <laughs> no, not, not raping anyone. Oh, no. He's just got his head asleep in a pizza. And his penis is out. <laughs> All right. Did we America? We, you know we did.